0: the Bully Pew Podcast at protestia.com brought to you by the troublemakers at protestia.com and the intrepid patron supporters who by their generosity starting at only $5.95 a month make this program available to you as well as other protestia content, protestia tonight and uh, well creative endeavors and Products like the recent parody video we did of Jason Aldean's "Try That in a Small Town," we called "Try That in a Small Church." Head over to Protestz's YouTube channel or Twitter to see that video. Share it with your friends. Basically, we're uh, taking a, a a cheeky stab at the shenanigans that mega churches engage in. Really, on a on a On an ongoing basis but made especially clear in the summertime when they do their movie series and they try to um, basically attach themselves to the popularity of Hollywood's latest movies and remind everybody that no 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 we're cool too we're cool too come to our church we're cool I mean, we're we're with it. We know what's going on. You know, Jesus Jesus isn't some um, you know like fuddy duddy old you know dusty book kind of uh, kind of thing. It's 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 with it. It's hip. We know. Um, we we know what's up. That's uh, that's what they tend to do during <laughs> during the summer. And so we took the opportunity to make fun of the absurdity that is uh, those kind of things. Anyway, <laughs> to get back to get back to the program. This is a program where. Well, I just talk about kind of what's going on in the, the larger Christian conversation from a pew-sitting perspective, the, the perspective of the pew rather than the pulpit, um, as many of you know, protestia is, while we do have pastors that do work with us and uh, all sorts of things behind the scenes, the, the figureheads of the ministry at this point are none other than uh, pew-sitting Christians. Um, just your regular, I guess your average Joe believers like myself and a few of the other um, gentlemen that write most of the content, provide most of the content. And this, this podcast is kind of an expression of that in that we just uh, talk about kind of what's going on um, out there in more of a free form uh, format because I'm driving around in a car. So I don't have uh, research materials and PowerPoints and things like that lined up. I stole this format, of course, as many of you know, from Seth Dunn of the Christian Commute who um, sort of pioneered, and I don't know if he originated this or not, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, he did, because I hadn't seen it before, this idea of driving around in your car and recording a podcast while you were driving. Um, I've seen the picture from the Christian Commute, famously of the steering wheel of a Honda something or other with a bunch of sticky notes on it where I guess he puts down the scripture that he's going to go through, um, any questions that he gets um, for in, in his email to answer. I'm not doing that. I'm just driving. There's no, there's no sticky notes on the wheel of my vehicle right now. And yet there's always something kind of, um, running around in my mind that I wanted to discuss. In this case, it's, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, discernment in, in relationship to logic and, and just being able to think correctly, because there's there's kind of two components to that, that wind up with believers, professing believers, um, uh, discerning things in error, or coming to false conclusions or false understanding, understandings of things. There, there's kind of two components. There's what is the truth about a subject, what is the content of the truth about a subject, And then the second part is what are the, what is the methodology or what is the framework by which we come to that truth, by, by which we understand it as true versus what isn't true and the, the techniques and the, the methodology and the framework by which we are able to, um, to work through, uh, challenging things and get to the truth that's lying underneath, um, that that's the other important part. Um, largely, broadly speaking, we would we would say this is epistemology. That's that's the uh, the study of truth itself and how do we know what is true versus what is false. That's the the second part because it's not so much, especially in a lot of the conversations that happen these days online, it's not so much um, an overt disagreement over what is true. I mean, there is a disagreement, no doubt, uh, with a lot of um, you know, false teachers and false teaching that is out there. There is, um, without exception, underlying false belief. But very often, that's not. It's not just thrown out there in the open to say, "Here's what I believe uh, about this." That's false about the scripture. It is. It's a process of obfuscating it and making it murky and unclear and many techniques come into play when false teachers false brethren are doing this this kind of a thing um i don't know if any of you have have asked yourself but you should why in 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 paul's letter to the romans i believe it's romans 16 17 through 18 when he he basically this this is what we call the, the mark and avoid passage paul says you know um that that i beseech you to uh uh, mark mark those who cause division. They cause division by teaching what is contrary to, to what you've been given as the truth. Um, but did you ever stop to wonder why Paul um, instructed the Romans to mark people? Because we've heard it even from some in our own camp, historically speaking. Now Most of these, these folks uh, have corrected this. Um, as far as I understand, but we've been, we've been told sometimes, lectured sometimes that the right way to go about discernment and, and separating truth from error, um, true teaching from false teaching is not so much to mark the people or, or go after a person or a false teacher and identify them, but the teaching. So you don't really have to, you don't really have to get on anybody's case as an individual to, to say, um, to say that a teaching is false or a doctrine is false, you can just discuss the doctrine and I guess, I guess apparently everything will work itself out in the end and the people that, um, that you're able to um, expose the false doctrine to, they'll, well, they'll put two and two together. They'll figure out that, that the false teacher um, is teaching that doctrine. But Paul doesn't say that. He doesn't say mark, mark the teaching, identify bad teaching and avoid it. He says um, mark and avoid people. Individuals mark and avoid those who are teaching these things. Um, If they're 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 teaching things that are contrary to the to the truth of God's word, um, you're to mark them. Now, why does he do this? Well, because this human nature, human nature uh, pushes us to um, be tribal. We identify with people. We identify with people uh, more than we identify with with um, abstract teachings. Of course, I say abstract only because the teaching can theoretically stand apart from the people teaching it. Right? It's not. It's not. It, it's not that once somebody um, comes up with a teaching, it somehow belongs to them and can't be taught by anybody else. The teaching does stand on its own um, in terms of its abstraction, and yet we're told to mark the people because false teaching, teaching c- contrary to God's word, is a. It, it has a source it has a source that's that's um that's more um more fundamental and natural than the 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 teaching itself and that source is is sinful nature that source is is the fallen nature of the teacher who is willing to propagate the false teaching and when when you find a false a, a false teacher bringing a doctrine contrary to what you've been taught um they are virtually guaranteed to continue to bring more false teaching and this is a this is a product or, or, or a, an expression of the difference between regeneration and still being lost and dead in trespasses and sin um, it, it is, a, it is a, an, an ontological change when somebody is a new creation when they're truly born again and now indwelt by the Holy Spirit, um, and equipped, being being you know um, progressively equipped for good works. There's a change, and so when when somebody unrepentantly continues to teach something that is contrary to God's word, um, you can expect, vir, I mean virtually guarantee this person will continue to teach false things. They, in their own creativity, because they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping something they might call God. They might call it Jesus, but it, it isn't the Jesus of the Bible. Um, this is a this is a a God, an idol of their own creation. Um, you know, they're worshiping the creation rather than than the Creator. And in their their lostness and and exercising creativity as someone made in the image of God, they will continue to create. New false teachings, new novel ways to try to um, trip people up, to try to um, both um, lead others into the 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 lost way that they're going, uh, but also to convince themselves that they're right. Um, You know, Romans one talks about um, the the majesty of God, the, the the nature of God, his his power being evident. In, in what has been made, evident in what's around us. There's a sense in which God's, um, uh, His characteristics and His worship-worthiness, if we can say it that way, is made evident to all, and yet it isn't complete without His special revelation, without, without the truth um, of, of the redemptive uh, work of Jesus Christ. God, God's majesty is fulfilled in that for sure, but there's a sense in which um, we're without excuse, whether or not um, we are saved, whether or not we're regenerate, whether or not we uh, we choose to uh, to worship and and, and and have faith in Jesus Christ. We're still responsible by what we see. What we see around us makes us responsible, um, and and so what you find is when somebody is teaching a false doctrine, they continue, um they, they continue in that rebellion, in that in that idol worship, um, with increasingly um offensive and increasingly false not only the overt teachings themselves, but even the the thinking, the, the methodology of the thinking the way that they think and work through issues is also corrupt. It's also false. So if you're you're you're, you're looking online and you're you're pulling your hair out wondering well, why why in the world does this person not see the, the, the fallacy in what they're saying? Um, this is evidence of being lost. It's and and especially when you see somebody corrected on the fallacy of their thinking, the, the categorical errors, the genetic fallacies that we see all the time in Christian um, debate and polemical conversation, um, first and foremost, we look to, uh, is the overt thing that they are promoting or teaching or advocating for um, standing contrary to God's word? That's, that's the most clear bad fruit that you're, you know, to, to, that's evidence that you're dealing with a lost person, a false teacher. But the second one can be, and it's related of course, but the second one is an inability to actually think clearly an inability to actually, um, parse the different, the differences in, um, uh, in language and the differences in ideas. They're, they're unable to actually reason um, biblically, which, which really is to say they're unable to reason um, consistently and logically in accordance with the mind that God has given them with which to work through these issues. Uh, a couple examples, just to, to, to throw a couple things out there, I saw, uh, it was a, a day or two ago, um, a gentleman, I don't know who these people are really, because the, the, that's the other, the, the other deceptive thing about the internet, is somebody can garner a pretty healthy um, social media following um, simply by saying what people want to be said and by giving off an air of credibility, whether, whether by actual credentials or, I mean, in the case of apparently some evangelical leaders made up credentials, um, people, can, people can garner a pretty big uh, internet following by doing this kind of thing. Um, a good example of this is, is um, and, and we got to be careful that, that we identify the right Kevin here. But there's a, a gentleman on Twitter, Kevin M. Young, I think is, is his name, and, and uh, I think, he, I mean, he, he says he has a doctorate. I don't I see any reason uh, to, to uh, disagree with that. I'm, I suspect he probably does, um, but, but passes himself off as uh, an, like an influential pastor or something like that, and he's very progressive. I mean, just. You know, totally, I mean, 100% woke, 100% lost in his, in his, uh, theology, and in, in what he pushes. I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced he's not some sort of a troll, some sort of a troll account just, just, uh, you know, trying to, to stir chaos because the, the, the dumb things he says are almost like they're parody level, um... But he's he he's a good example of somebody who, who gives off the impression that he has um, some sort of influence outside of just a, a social media presence um, on on Twitter or on you know other social media things. But but in reality, as far as I understand, he he does you know some sort of a you know video stream home church with with two and a half people watching it and and, and you know claims to claims to be pastoring in this regard. Um, you know, some of you listening to this, if you know better than me, feel free to correct me, but, um, it's that, that kind of a thing happens all the time online and people give credibility where credibility isn't due, um, just based off this person saying what they want to be said and and appearing to have, um, you know, credentials that their followers don't have, I guess. Um, but in, in that vein, in in the online um, you know, atmosphere where this is the case where this, this happens all the time there, there are those who have been given or um, have, have been appointed to institutional positions in organizations like the Southern Baptist Convention that, that fit this same category. Um, there are people that can't think. There are people that when, when they, they say things and express things, um, they are emotionally driven they, they don't actually stand up to logical scrutiny. And it, it's evidence, when you see these things online, it's it's evidence that most likely, I mean, we can't, we can't guarantee, we don't know for sure, but most likely there is much more uh, radically unbiblical belief and doctrine underneath that. And what you're seeing on social media is merely um, what they think they can uh, get away with in the conversation without totally exposing themselves and slowly move the, the Overton window to the left. The Overton window is, is the, the window of, we would say, acceptable, uh, largely acceptable opinion or viewpoint on a specific topic and what the range of those viewpoints might be. Um, As an example, if you said, hey, the Overton window for human sexuality uh, used to be if you said, hey, two men can marry each other. Two men can marry each other. And that's um, functionally and morally and ethically the same as a man and woman marrying each other. That would have been um, off pretty much out of the Overton window just a few years ago just a few years ago, um, the conversation around human sexuality would have placed a a view like that far outside of acceptable, um, acceptable, um, views on the topic. Now that's right down the middle. The Overton window on human sexuality has shifted substantially over the last, uh, what, you know, uh, 50 years or so to the point where, um, to the point where those of us uh, who are um, appalled by what we see in terms of sexual expression in our culture right now might be tempted to look at uh, you know two two guys um, you know monogamously married to one another and committed is like well that isn't that bad now of course I mean we and and that's why we acknowledge this is sinful. This is not something that God approves of whatsoever. But in terms of, because there's so many other worse things out there, that's not the top of the prairie list anymore to talk about that. That's, you know, that's reasonably safe compared to the other stuff that we see. And what, well, what has that done? Well, it's replaced, um, men marrying each other being the far end of the Overton window, the far left side, if you want to say it that way, of the Overton window. Well, now the far left side of the Overton window is, um, you know, drag queen story hour, and even further to the left of that is now this this claim that um, there's such a thing as a minor attracted person or map um, that 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 gives uh, ethical and moral cover to pedophilia. Um, in the in the same way that there are many Christian you know proclaimed Christian leaders out there saying that it's just homosexual behavior that's sinful and the desire itself is not in and of itself a sin that pushes the window that pushes acceptability to the to and and softens people up to the next step which is this step of saying it's not in the same way that it's not a sin to be attracted to someone of the same gender it's also not a sin to be sexually attracted to children that's where that's that's where we are now in terms of what is in the conversation and we might look at that and say 99.9% of people think that's, the, that's, that's horrifying. But we would have said the same thing about gay marriage just, just a few decades ago. That's, that's how this works. Um, and, and, and again, when we're talking about um, conversations online with, with those who are they're promoting false doctrine, false teaching... This is the game. This is why they. This is why they do this kind of a thing. There is, it's almost guaranteed that there is much more radical false belief behind what you're seeing online, more radical depravity than they are willing to put out there in the open. Um, for the same reason that you can't boil a frog by tossing him in the boiling water, you put him in the water when it's lukewarm and comfortable, and then slowly turn it up. And by the time he realizes that it's too hot, it's too late, and he can't get out. The same exact um, technique is is done all the time with false teachers. This is why Paul said, Mark and avoid the people. It's not the doctrine itself, because they'll, they'll shift the doctrine, or they'll rename it, or they'll monkey with the language to... to uh, to avoid the criticism and continue to be, um, continue to attract, um, disciples into their false doctrine and their false teaching, their false, um, religion, false version of Christianity with their, with its false Jesus. They'll continue to, if you don't mark them, they'll simply shift. They'll, they'll shift the teaching. So you'll say, Hey, you're, you're teaching a false doctrine here. This is a false doctrine. I've now identified it's a false doctrine. And that teacher will simply, um, They'll simply back up to a more safe rhetorical position. Um, this is sometimes referred to as the Mott and Bailey strategy. The Mott and Bailey strategy of, um, of, of you know, cultural engagement, if you want to say it that way, where the person will, um, will rhetorically uh, come out with a, a fairly radical statement or a very, fairly radical position. And then when challenged on it, they retreat they retreat back to, uh, the, 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 the safe place and defend the safe place instead of defending the, the, uh, the more radical version of the statement. And in doing so you do this often enough and you wear people down, you open them up, you open them up to, uh, you know, saying something like, ah, two men getting married is not that big of a deal. We got pedophilia to deal with. This is, this is how, how, uh, um, Christian moral and ethical acceptability gets whittled down. Um, a, a, a good example of this kind of just just bad thinking, if you want to say it that way, is is made. A good example of this is the the loose and open and totally subjective use of uh, the second great commandment to love your neighbor. It's always it is used as a bait and switch. I mean aside from the the rank emotional manipulation that that leftist evangelicals engage in with loving with claims to to love love your neighbor um the bait and switch goes something like this they'll say um the, the they will first define um, loving your neighbor in the progressive way that they want. It'll be something, you know, a, a good example of this is like like mask wearing, for instance, which you guys know that I, I think is, has nothing to do with health. It never really did. Um, there was never any science to back back up mask wearing as something that made any difference whatsoever with respiratory viruses. Um, and and yet, and, and we saw it. I mean, you know, the, if, if you looked closely, the scientists who were promoting it admitted it it was one second later was like yeah we know this doesn't do anything we've always known it doesn't do anything and two seconds later well you should wear it um even fauci's saying you should wear it um just as a symbol to show people you care he admitted early on that it was just a symbol it was a symbol to to indicate your willingness to comply and um but 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 an uh, an evangelical leftist will say well hey neighbor love in in my view neighbor love uh, is not about objectively loving them according to the, the judicial standard of the word of God and, and treating them as you would like to be treated and, and really the biblical concept of loving your neighbor. Neighbor love is about making sure that um, they're comfortable and they feel the right way and they're affirmed and, and, and valued and validated. Um, we're going to say that that's neighbor love And then the next step is saying, and the Bible says you must love your neighbor. It's a commandment. Therefore, Christian, you are commanded to do all of these things that I have previously um, identified to be love of neighbor. So, in the case of um, wearing a mask, they would say, um, if it, hey, regardless of whether it works or not, regardless of whether it's it's functionally a health device. Betty over here, just throwing out a name, don't, don't, I'm not talking about anybody specific, but whoever, let's say, you know, Karen, let's say Karen, we'll use that word. We'll use that name, Karen. Karen over here feels better when you wear the mask. She has an admittedly irrational fear um, of respiratory viruses, and she thinks for whatever reason, whether it works or not, it makes her feel better for you to put this piece of fabric over your face. And so... And so, um, if you love Karen as yourself, if you love your neighbor, you will endeavor to make her feel better, regardless of the underlying truth of the issue. Now, of course, the Bible-believing Christian would say, wait a minute, lying is a sin. Lying is a sin, and if I know before my God that this is false, that that this is a lie, that this is an untruth... Um, going along with it is sinning against God. It's a violation of my conscience before the Lord to knowingly lie to somebody just to make them feel better. Um, The same thing is true with so-called preferred pronouns. I'm not going to use female pronouns to refer to a biological man, no matter how um, it makes him feel, and no matter how many evangelical leftists lecture me about how I'm not loving Um, this person by going along with their lie um, because my first love is for the Lord my first um, obedience, my first allegiance is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. Yes, mind is in there you're supposed to love God with the way you think about things with the way you reason through things, with with, with the way that you um, identify and separate truth from error truth from falsehood truth from fiction and and yet you will find every single day evangelical leftists on social media um using love your neighbor as a cudgel to judge those um who won't go along with whatever they they think that they should do um the, the other the other version of this we see and this is really more of a I mean yeah evangelical leftists use this sometimes but this is more of a, 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 a guilting um, technique used by um, soft evangelicals. Big Eva you know mid Eva as it sometimes is called now. These company men um, these institutionally co- connected um, figures in evangelicalism who largely I mean I'm, you know, this may sound judgmental but they've largely never never held jobs and positions outside of the evangelical industrial complex that's that's where they've that's where they started that's where they've lived that's where they've grown up and it's where they remain and thus i mean because that's where they they've they've come up in that is the the um, the high mark of christian ministry Versus, of course, just being a regular Joe Christian who is, uh, you know, doing his best to serve the Lord and, and where the Lord has put him. Um, they need to make, make it clear that um, vocational ministry, vocational gospel ministry is, is the real deal. It's, it's, it's where the, the, the elite level Christians do their work. And so um, in the same way that you might find an evangelical leftist throwing around love your neighbor, as as an open-ended cudgel that um, it, uh, convicts and judges anybody that doesn't go along with whatever whatever leftist uh, goal they have, you'll find those in even in the evangelical industrial complex using um, gospel the same way. Um, it's or, or, I mean really abusing the term and abusing what it should mean to to um, draw a binary between. What, whatever they find to be important in the moment and whatever you're doing with your life So it'll be it'll be something along the lines of you know, if you were concerned about um, Reaching the lost with the gospel as much as you're concerned about fill in the blank um, We'd be reaching more people right now now They don't come right out and say that whatever you're doing. That's not what they want you to do is a sin because then we could actually biblically adjudicate it and, and figure out, is that actually a sin? They just throw it out there in the ether, in this sort of gray area um, between um, obedient righteousness and direct identifiable sin. They, they throw it out in a gray area in the middle and just lead people to a conclusion of saying that you know, whatever, whatever they're trying to argue against must be sinful because it's not, it's not specifically preaching the gospel. Again, they don't say that. They don't say that because then we could then then we could um, actually apply judicial logic and figure out if what they're if what they're claiming softly claiming to be sin is an actual sin. They just hold the term gospel um, over over your head um, to try to guilt trip you into doing things their way. Um, a good example, and I'm, I'll, let me give you an absurd example of this. And and I think you'll see this pattern. If you look closely, you'll see this pattern in a lot of what is said out there. Um, no, I'll give you a couple examples. An absurd example would be something like saying, um, hey, you know, you should probably stop eating your lunch and put that ham sandwich down because really if you cared about reaching the lost with the gospel, you'd put that ham sandwich down and go preach... You know, go go evangelize somebody right now. The fact that you won't put your ham sandwich down uh, clearly identify cl- clearly makes it clear that that ham sandwich is an idol. You're 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 making an idol out of your stomach by uh, deciding to eat that ham sandwich in this moment instead of going and sharing the gospel with someone. <clears throat> now, obviously, we would we would rightly point to that and say that's that's absurd. That's absurd. I, I still have to feed myself. I still have to, you know, clothe myself and bathe myself and 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 work a job to provide for my family. Um, but it but it opens the door to uh, rhetorically and logically anything, anything that isn't a direct preaching of the gospel, and even sometimes when it is. A direct preaching of the gospel. If if they don't like the context in which you do it, or the language you're using, or or you know the particular emphasis on something, they can still use the same the same uh, rhetorical trick to shame you um to shame you and blame you for whatever it is that you happen to be doing um we've seen that a few times with uh polemics and discernment ministry we show the gospel at the beginning of every protesting tonight as those of you that uh, listen you're you're familiar with this we show the gospel at the beginning of every program um, but we've heard, we've heard, uh, criticism and feedback like, Hey, you know, the gospel that you're sharing is, that's not a, an effective sharing of the gospel because it's in the context of this, this program where you're going to argue and, and, and target and attack people. So that, that can't possibly be the gospel. If you cared about the gospel, really, you, you would just share the gospel and then, and then not go attack other people for their, for their teaching that you find false. So, I mean, it's, it, there, there's no end once you open up that door. Um, Another good example, I saw this one this morning it's by some some Twitter account, SBC Platform or something like that. I don't know who runs it. Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's known who runs it, but it's not really important for this purpose. Um, in reference to the identification of Jonathan Howe, who's the new interim president of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee. Um, it, it was revealed that hey they they he and his wife are members of a church that also is a partnering church with the cooperative baptist fellowship which is a is a progressive egalitarian leftist transgender affirming Uh, you know, Baptist, quote unquote, Baptist cooperation, the the church that our new EC interim president is a member of also partners with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Oh, and by the way, his wife uh, holds a pastoral position. I mean, by their own words, a pastoral position at their church. Uh, So the fact that this was identified, this SBC platform uh, Twitter account just tweeted out, if you have to attack somebody's wife, uh, that shows like where your heart is, you know. If you have to attack somebody's wife to make your point, you have to show, show that shows where your heart is. This is the, this, this is the same um, uh, generalized, non-specific guilt trip, judgmental judgmentalism that it, that is used when people play the gospel card. The same like we're not going to identify any people here. We're not going to identify a specific sin. We're just going to categorize uh, whatever has been said that's critical of this person as an attack. As an attack. Oh, and by the way, attacking people, especially people's wives, I'll I'll explain that in a second, especially people's wives is automatically unbiblical because it's attacking. It's attacking. Now, never mind that the Bible actually instructs this behavior. The Word of God actually talks about being discerning, practicing your discernment constant practice, separating uh, truth from error, um, bringing things done in darkness out to the light. These are all biblical concepts. Um, n- instead, the statement is, well, you, you should feel bad because you did something we didn't like. Now, we don't have a Bible verse to actually point to and say, here's, here's where you sinned. We're just going to generalize it and emotionalize it and try to trigger people's emotions rather than their minds. That's the process that happens. Of course, they said, um, they talked about, well, you know, you, you, it wasn't just attacking Jonathan Howe. It was attacking attacking his wife. If you have to attack somebody's wife, now, why are they saying it this way? Well, because, because they're feminists and they're egalitarians and they still think that there's hay to be made on um, promoting uh, feminism within evangelical culture. So, Jonathan Howe's wife is, she's off limits um, because she's a woman. Now, of course, we see immediately the logical fallacy that this actually is, because in the same breath, they'll, they'll, they'll say something you, like, you're not supposed to attack somebody's wife. Um, you know, that's, that's worse. She, she is uh, more protection worthy and off limits for criticism simply because she's a woman, which, I mean, that, that's critical theory. Right? that's that's um, uh, not applying um, equal weights and measures. that's applying partiality based off of somebody's gender, of course. Um, but in the same breath they say something like that. They'll also say, oh oh and, and and women are just as capable of doing everything men should do and men can do and and there's not male nor female before you know we're all one in Jesus Christ. And so uh, you know men and women are basically functionally identical until, until we can use that to push our political agenda, and then all of a sudden, um, she's off limits and she's fragile and she can't be criticized. And and you're really you 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 men who are pointing this out are really being meany pants, and you're you're pretty much abusing women by pointing out uh, the facts about uh, their church and about who they cooperate with and her her uh, ministerial position. So that that that's how this technique works. But you can see just in, even in that small example, the corruption of thinking it's one of two things and 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 pos- quite possibly both it's a corruption of logic a corruption of the mental faculties we use um in discerning and actually separating truth from fiction there's a corruption there but there's also a corrupt motive in in the the, the fact that they whoever posted this probably knows that it is a a specious argument, an illogical argument, a manipulation, an emotional manipulation, they, they likely know that that's what it is, and they put it out there anyway. They put it out there anyway because they think that people that read it are too stupid to, to not set their emotions aside. They're too stupid to navigate with the, their brains, logically speaking, and they'll just give in to their emotions and be like, yeah, that's right, it is bad to attack somebody's wife. Therefore whoever pointed this out is is their mini pants or bad guys. That's what they that's what they expect and they really don't care. They don't care if you actually have um if they've actually made a good solid logical point that has transmitted truth from them to their readers. They don't care about that. It's just about the agenda. So if they can forward the agenda by, by telling you something true they will. If they can forward the agenda by telling you something false they will. The agenda is an undermining of the word of God. It always is. The agenda is in opposition to God's immutable, immovable standard as as revealed um by him in the in the Bible. That's what it's always about. So um I hope this discussion about um these things and and really just just can can help you a little bit and in terms of your discernment, to, to remember that it's not just about figuring out um, necessarily overt true from false doctrine, but it's also about figuring out how to think about it, how to work through it, how to identify when somebody is promoting or saying something that doesn't accord with the logical faculties God has given us. When, when it is corrupt in its logic, corrupt in its thinking. Um, I I hope this uh, discussion has helped. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Bully Pew Podcast. We'll see you again next time. As always, Semper Reformanda.